part three section two chapter nineteen c of organic evolution this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by k hand organic evolution by richard swan lull chapter nineteen c cursorial and fossorial adaptation fossorial adaptation classification Bionomic. Fossorial types may be classified bionomically in a manner which denotes the degree of their adaptation to subterranean life. Thus there are, first, those whose habitation is above ground but which dig for their food. There are several such, like the swine and the elephant, but aside from the mere digging mechanism, snout, tusks, etc., there is but little fossorial adaptation to be noted nevertheless such as it is it may have a far-reaching secondary effect upon correlated organs thus the entire modification of the skull jaws and trunk besides the tusks of the elephant structures which sum up almost all of the recorded evolutionary change of the most remarkable of beasts are either directly or indirectly the result of fossorial habit see chapter thirty four secondarily there are those creatures which dig for retreat and which show still greater modification especially in the body and limbs but those whose food is above ground are not so profoundly modified along the line of degeneracy as those whose food is also found below the latter the wholly fossorial exhibit the extreme of adaptation which is to be discussed zoologically the partially and wholly fossorial animals are the lowly more primitive and defenseless or unambitious members of their respective phyla they include representatives of every great vertebrate class except the fishes but the appended approximate summary is based almost entirely upon existing forms class amphibia sicilians class reptilia sphenodon uromystics legless lizards desert snakes class aves burrowing owl starlet specifically of mignon islands cliff swallow class mammalia all wholly fossorial mammals are primitive small plantigrade pentadactyl with moderate to large claws and relatively defenseless order monotremata entire order order marsupialia wombat phascolomus dasior dasiorus kangaroo rat belongia pig-footed bandicoot cheropus marsupial mole notorictes order endentata armadillos aardvark oryctoropus order insectivora common moles talpa condylura golden mole chrysochloris shrew mole scalopus water shrew crossopus desmen mygale hedgehog Erinaceus, erysorictes order rodentia hares lapis ground squirrels spermophilus prairie dog cynamus woodchuck arclamus pocket gopher geomidae mole rats and bamboo rat spalacidae octodontidae paca caligenus viscasha legostomus bathyurgidae siphoniae order carnivora retreat only otter lutra rotel melivora javanese skunk mydouse american badger 
taxidea cohort ungulata few dig for food swine elephants mastodons modifications body contour the density of the medium through which the burrowing form must penetrate necessitates a spindle or fusiform shape not perhaps so beautifully modeled as in swift aquatic types but such as will nevertheless offer but little resistance to subterranean passage the greatest diameter in fossorial forms lies near the shoulder due in part no doubt to the necessary strengthening of the shoulder girdle this is true of the mole in other forms such as the duckbill and echidna the breadth of the stout body brings the greatest diameter further back but in neither of the latter instances is the fossorial adaptation so extreme as in the former legless forms snakes lizards and sicilians have a cylindrical body forward of the shoulder the head tapers rapidly so that the contained skull is subconical and lacks the widely expanded zygomatic or cheek arches of many surface types this last feature however is correlated also with the feeble jaw musculature as almost all wholly fossorial types subsist on feeble prey such as insects and worms which require little strength of jaw or tooth tail the tail even in semi-fossorial animals is usually short for not only would a long tail seriously incommode a subterranean creature but its chief use in the mammal seems to be in connection with a cursorial habit hence there is manifestly little need of its development in forms in which no premium whatever is placed upon speed thus in the hedgehog ratel and woodchuck the tail is short while in the wombat and the several moles it is vestigial the tail of subterranean forms has its uses however for it is said to serve as a valuably tactile organ eyes and ears in truly fossorial types the eyes through disuse tend to become vestigial they would also be a source of injury in burrowing forms were they well developed two factors determine in general the degree of visual reduction the duration and completeness of subterranean life thus in the pocket gophers geomidae and bathyguridae the eyes are small in the mole rat sphalex typhlus they are mere black specks among the muscles although retaining a relatively complete structure in the marsupial mole notorictes typhlops they are imperfectly developed and functionless in talpa they are vestigial in the cape golden mole chrysochloris the eyes are covered with skin Shimer. the external ears also tend to disappear as in aquatic types for not only is their position such that they would be a decided obstruction to burrowing but they would tend to gather the soil within the ear and thus obstruct rather than aid in the collecting of sound waves and further their true function just mentioned can only be effectively rendered in the air hence in the gnatomide and the otter which is also aquatic the external ears are small in the ratel mellivora they are very minute in the bath cape mole rat etc they are reduced to a slight fringe of skin around the oral aperture which in the wholly fossorial moles all three sorts are bereft of ears entirely which is equally true of the monotremata the last mentioned group however are so very primitive that they may have never had them digging mechanism the snout forms an important organ for digging in the swine and in the hog-nosed snake heterodon in each of which the organ is truncated and upturned at the tip in the swine and in the mole talpa there is a pre-nasal bone developed at the tip of the cartilage of the nose this bone doubtless serves the same purpose in each instance that of reinforcing the snout as an aid in digging the incisor teeth particularly and sometimes the canines swine 
form very adequate fossorial organs if the incisors they are apt to be procumbent or forwardly directed as in the pocket gophers and thus protrude in such a way as to add to their effectiveness the tusks of elephants as has been mentioned and the procumbent lower tusks of the primitive four-tusked mastodons in particular were very effective digging instruments if one may judge from the manifest wear to which they have been subjected cheek pouches for the carrying out of earth have given to the geomidae their vernacular name of pocket gophers these pouches are found in many different mammals but their function is generally that of the transportation or temporary storage of food their use in the removal of earth from the burrow especially when the teeth form their principal digging mechanism is very readily understood the forelimbs are by far the most important fossorial organs of all hence their development and modifications have reached an extreme all of the limbs are very short and stout in wholly fossorial forms for not only is the speed which length of limb implies unnecessary but long limbs would be a positive detriment in a form working in such close quarters as the average burrow length would also increase the mechanical disadvantage which always accompanies a lever whose weight arm is long in proportion to the power arm in some semi-fossorial types on the other hand such as the hares and the pig-footed bandicoot there is need of speed sufficient to offset the advantages afforded by short limbs in their partial subterranean life the hand particularly is broad and stout with long claws and it differs materially from the foot as the two members have undergone divergent specialization the hand loosening the earth while the foot not only throws it further backward but also serves to drive the creature ahead and resist the occasional backward thrust received from the hands in the common mole condylura the hand is as broad as the entire body so that a single sweep of this very efficient organ will clear a space wide enough for entrance hence the digging is very rapidly accomplished this broadening of the hand in the mole and in the echinda is effected not only by having all of the original five fingers fully developed but by the further addition of a bone os falciforme which increases the breadth of the palm materially in the golden mole chrysochlorus there are but four fingers of which the two middle ones are greatly enlarged and bear powerful claws so that while the hand is not broadened it is still very effective the bones of the forelimb are always very strong with very prominent tuberosities for muscular attachment this is especially true of the ridges of the proximal end of the humerus which serve for the insertion of the powerful shoulder muscle and those which aid in rotating the hand the olecranon process which is the extension of the ulna beyond the elbow joint is notably large in fossorial forms as it is the insertion of the powerful triceps muscle which serves to straighten the arm hence the greater the olecranon the more effective the leverage one peculiarity of wholly fossorial forms lies in the narrow shoulders for the forelimbs must not dig too broad a burrow and yet must be sufficiently developed to have adequate leverage as a consequence the shoulder sockets must be as near each other as possible and this is effected in one of two ways generally by a shifting forward upon the neck of the entire shoulder girdle as in the monotremes and northern moles or as in the golden mole chrysochlorus by a hollowing out of the walls of the chest the ribs and sternum breastbone being convex inward instead of outward the shifting forward of the shoulder in the true mole is accomplished through the elongation of the first sternal segment manubrium sterni carrying with it the remarkably short clavicles or collarbones a powerful shoulder is essential to resist the great muscular strain hence in digging types as in those which climb and fly the clavicles are retained and are fully developed 
in the monotremes not only are the clavicles present but they are reinforced by a large t-shaped episternum and a pair of powerful coracoids which extend from the shoulder socket to the presternum in no other mammals do these latter reptilian elements reach the breastbone but they are generally represented by vestigial processes emphasis has been laid upon the retention of many primitive features by the monotremes and much of this may be due as in the present instance to their fossorial mode of life it is sometimes difficult however clearly to distinguish cause and effect the divergence of function which has been emphasized between fore and hind limb has resulted in a decided difference in their relative power in the hind limb the femur is by no means as robust as the humerus nor are its tuberosities for muscular attachment so excessively developed as in the latter bone greater strength is given to the lower leg by a partial fusion of the tibia and fibula and the calcineum or heel bone is very prominent as the increased leverage thus gained adds very largely in pushing the animal forward by extending the foot more powerfully in the mole talpa there is a large sizamoid bone at the side of the tibia corresponding to the os falciforme of the hand but otherwise the foot exhibits none of the great modification which the hand has undergone in the hind limb of the monotremes there is an unusual extension of the proximal end of the fibula beyond the articulation at the knee comparable to the olecranon process at the elbow and doubtless subserving the same mechanical need as the stress is largely transmitted from the hind limbs forward in the direction of the axis of the body in subterranean creatures instead of vertically in opposition to gravity as in most terrestrial forms the ilium and ischium become elongated in the fore and aft direction and lie parallel to the vertebral column instead of forming an angle therewith as usual the ilium is also fused usually throughout its entire length with the sacrum which in some forms notably in the armadillos consists of a large number of coossified vertebrae in addition to the firm fusion of the sacral vertebrae those of the loin and neck also tend to coossify to give greater strength and firmness in pushing the animal through the earth it is also possible that the peculiar intercentral ossicles between the lower portions of the lumbar vertebrae of the mole talpa and the hedgehogs Aranacidae, may be of use in strengthening the vertebral column such structures are comparatively common among reptiles but are extremely rare among mammals except in the tail the neck vertebrae vary for in the wombat face colomus and the armadillos the cervicals are wide and depressed and in the latter several of them are commonly fused together or ankylosed as in the whales in the mole the fourth fifth and sixth cervicals are much elongated and overlap each other this region of the neck is that covered by the forward shifted shoulder girdle which undoubtedly accounts for this modification the transverse processes of the lumbar vertebrae and the muscles which are attached to them exhibit comparatively little development as the strains transmitted are largely longitudinal with little or no lateral movement hibernation winter sleep is a necessity on the part of subterranean animals living beyond the limits of the tropics because of the absence of green vegetation which forms either directly or indirectly by supporting insects and worms the mainstay of their diet digging through frozen soil would be so insuperable a task that it is also prohibitive of active underground life an exception to this rule would be the lemming myodes lemus whose food is entirely vegetable especially grass roots and stalks shoots of the dwarf birch reindeer lichens and mosses in search of which they form in winter long galleries through the turf or under the snow flower and lydecker end of part three section two chapter nineteen c